is that something that's possible yet where they're almost humanizing the the the, the old workflow automation but in a slightly more humanized way i suppose yeah i've seen it being used so for example i know one lady she's put her book into into the ai or she's got written a few books and then she's got it so people can ask questions and it will reply as her using all the information from the books Mm -hmm. i'm not across that technology but i know it can be it can be done so Mm -hmm. it's so it's very very interesting in terms of yeah in terms of some of the stuff it could do So hello and welcome to another edition of Better Business, Better Life. Today I am joined by Scott Bywater, who's actually based over in Sydney, not too far from where I used to live in Sydney. And he is the creator of a simple email ROI system course. And over the past 21 years, he's written for gurus and leading companies like Kerwin Ray, J. Conrad Levins of Guerrilla Marketing fame, McCullough.com and The Learning Annex. And he's probably one of the most sought after uh, marketing copywriters in Australia. So super thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Deborah. Great to, great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a really quick uh, discussion before you came on board um, and you've got quite an interesting story because you weren't born a copywriter as such, were you? So yeah, how no. did you get into the world of copywriting? <laughs> yeah, I came out of the womb with a typewriter, you know, back in the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, before computers. So, mm. so uh, yeah, so, so really my story in terms of how I got started within copywriting is I come from very much a direct sales background. So I started out in door-to-door sales. I did corporate sales. I, I managed a call center. I did all of those sort of things. And then when I was around about early 20s anyway, I went to a Brad Sugars event and he's like, start up a business and uh, you know, get it for free, build it up and then sell it. I said, well, that sounds good. So, But I was very green at the time, so it was a bit of a baptism by fire. So we did okay with the marketing, but we struggled uh, quite a bit you know, with, with not much experience. So then I was, uh, I was sort of I, – I left that and I was like, what am I going to do next? And I took a classified ad, which I took on credit because uh, I, was, I was struggling a bit at the time. The, the, the classified ad was not expensive either. And I put an ad out called, which said, Marketing Genius Proven Results. And I got one client, I got two, another client, got another client, but I was still sort of struggling doing that. Uh, and then my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, saw an ad for a copywriter. And she said, you should go for this job, women's intuition or, or whatever you might call it. So she yeah. she knew and I went for it. And long story short, the copywriting manager really liked me because we had to write a letter in there and, I, and I'd been writing quite a bit of copy for clients and all that sort of thing. The HR mm-hmm. manager didn't because my career wasn't exactly steady at that time. And I didn't get the job, but I got the confidence. And my income, as soon as I positioned myself as a copywriter, my income jumped probably 10 times. So it taught me a lot about the power of positioning, the power of niching, and that you can have exactly the same skill set. But if you position it to a market at the right time, then it can make a huge difference. And I know young people today, and they're like, oh, maybe I should get into copywriting. And I'm not always necessarily a fan of it, because it works really well for me now, because I've got 20 years experience and all that sort of thing, but the, the market has changed, and particularly with AI and all that mm. sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's all about 
right market, right time where there's a there's a bleeding neck problem and there isn't a lot of people to solve it is really where you want to be be positioning yourself. Sure. And we're going to come back to that AI thing in a short moment because that's really important in terms of changing the way these things are done. But um, yes. I always ask my guests because it's really nice to get to know them a little bit better. What is the thing you're most proud of professionally and what's the thing you're most proud of in your personal life? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think proud of professionally is the fact that it's just growing the business, but also within that, uh, like becoming far better with people and relationships and that sort of thing. So what, what I've found throughout my career is that as I have become better relationally, it's made a big impact. It's made far more flow in the business, but also it makes the business so much more enjoyable. So mm. years ago, I started up uh, a, a group which, which almost happened by chance, but it's now, yeah, it has a lot of the top top marketers from Australia in it and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's something that I, I really love doing. So that, that's on a professional level. On a, on a personal level, I think, you know, just like it would be, you know, a lot around like family. So like the time I've been able to spend with my son and being able to guide him and that sort of thing has been, you know, super super valuable and also just sticking to my you know sticking to my guns over the years despite you know even if it went against social approval or what you should do or that sort of thing so lifting integrity over and above let's say uh public acceptance or social approval or that sort of thing so i'm very proud of that from a personal level Perfect. And as you mentioned, I mean, your girlfriend became your wife, so that, that's a pretty <laughs> it's been a good journey as well. Yes. <laughs> hey, tell me how how big is the business now? So yeah, so so in terms of the the size of the business, so it's like I run it, you know, primarily myself. Then my wife uh, does all the you know the accounts, the finances, mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing. Is a is a huge uh, huge support there, and then I've got several. Uh, team members who I will yeah, work with and outsource to and all of that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a small business, but it's, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of support Moving surrounding that. Stuff. Yeah. Surrounding yeah, okay. that business. So, yeah. Cool. And so um, I guess we'll come on to, well, I want to talk about your expertise in a moment, but in terms of actually running a business, what have been the biggest lessons you've learned in running that business? And have you had, had any big challenges thrown your way as you were growing? Yeah. So, so I think that, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge has always been, you know, been from a scale perspective. And I think the, the challenge is to let go of things when, you know, in order to buy back your time, so to mm -hmm. speak. So I think that's really critical. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because as a business owner, we'll only grow, and this has been probably one of my biggest learnings, we'll only grow to a point of pain and then mm -hmm. we'll stagnate ourselves. So I see this with a lot of people in the marketing space because a lot of marketers could grow a much bigger business because you understand marketing, you understand how to get customers, right? Yeah. But if you're, you'll always put, be putting the foot on the pedal if you're not, uh, yeah, if there's too much pain in that growth, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So it's like, yeah. okay, I'm chewing up a lot of time on you know, admin stuff. Yeah, can I get someone who can take five hours off my plate? You know, on delivery, can I get someone who can take yeah, eight or 10 hours off my plate so that I can focus on 
what I am great at, which for me is sales, strategy, you know, marketing, networking. <laughs> and the more, the more I find I put my energy into that, the more money I make, which means the business can grow and then it becomes, it becomes far more enjoyable as well. Yeah. It's one of my philosophies. We call it delegate and elevate. And so we've yeah. all got this unique ability, which is where we, we know we, what we love and are really great at, and actually where we add the most value to the business as well. And so if every single person in your business is working in that zone of genius and really doing what they love and they're great at, and you're delegating everything else down, you, you know, that's how you build a business. But it's hard to let go sometimes, right? Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's the... The entrepreneurial struggle, isn't it? So, it is yeah, for all of us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're here as an expert today, and I, I guess, you know, one of the things that I saw, you do a whole range of different um, talks and things, but we've been talking a lot about AI and business. So I run like a, a, a mid-sized community, mid-sized business community group with myself, and um, I was obviously work with EO and EOS, and we were, everybody's talking about, you know, AI. And I suppose AI and marketing is the biggest thing, but AI and business overall is just massive in terms of what it can do. Tell us a bit about how you're using it now. Um, with your clients and, and what that looks like and what are the, the pros and the cons? Just give you a bit of an overview of AI and email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ad, ad, absolutely. So AI I'm finding is I, I started my AI journey last year before it was, you know, all the rage and I was primarily using Jasper as the as a technology and then yeah. this year I like, ChatGPT just went wild and I'm like, oh, I got to learn something else, you know. It's like it's like crazy. The learning curve never never stops. But well, the way I'm the way I'm sort of using it, and I'm, I'm loving ChatGPT by the way. So yeah. is number one is a brainstorming buddy because within copywriting, there's quite a bit of research. So understanding mm-hmm. the customers, their fears, their pains, their desires, their beliefs. Uh, no matter what target market you're in, so you can brainstorm all that. And AI is actually faster at brainstorming stuff than we yeah. as humans can think about Absolutely. it. Like we're far yeah. better with critical thinking, but the AI is very, very powerful with all that. So it's it's great. You can go, I'm a, you know, what does a, an accountant, you know, what are accountants' clients' biggest pains? And they'll, they'll yeah. go, bang, 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 yeah. prioritise them, great, you know, and, and so on. So it's very powerful from that perspective I'm finding. And then when it, comes to the, when it comes to the writing, it's incredibly powerful, but you need to know how to prompt it and how to play with it. Uh, and what I've found has worked, worked particularly well is in using transcripts with the AI. So rather than okay. just going, rather than just plugging it in and saying, hey, write me an email from an accountant to their clients about how to save tax, as an example. So mm-hmm. it's taking another step back and going, using the AI to go, what are, what are the fears, pains, desires, beliefs of this person? Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to pick one pain. What is what is 10 articles we can actually write, 10 email articles we can write about that pain? And then you get one pain, right, about paying tax. Maybe it's yeah, maybe it's the 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 headaches of yeah of having to go through all the you know all the numbers and all that sort of thing. So yeah, okay, around that. What are, the, what are the key five points? You might brainstorm this one-on-one. What do you want to talk about? And then, then you'll go back and, okay, if I'm going to talk about that, I'm going to touch one, two, three, four. They're the points. Okay, that's a framework for what you're going to say. Now I'm going to interview you and you're just going to talk about that. So then you'll talk about that. We'll transcribe that and we'll plug that into the AI and ask the AI to write an email 
based off a successful email format that we've got. So there's stuff mm. like that you can do which wow. is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Uh, and then if you've also got access to someone's, let's say, their Instagram feed or their blog posts or that sort of thing, it can really um, deliver the language in a way mm. which is particularly personal to them. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, That's what I was wondering powerful. about because, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that I see coming out of it can be quite generic. But if you can combine it, it's a little bit like Facebook marketing, right? If you can kind of go, hey, these are our, our audience that we're looking at, you know, show us other people that are like this. That's what the AI is doing is it's taking your own personal personality, your tone, the way you do things and overlaying it on what it's discovered to be the things that people want to hear about. Yeah, and, and the whole thing is, like, the thing to be really wary of with AI is that you don't want to sound like a robot who's just, because there's going to be more and more content going out there. It's like when the iPhone came out and there's there's all of a sudden videos everywhere, so then it's harder to cut through, right, because everyone's yeah. shooting video. So it's supply and demand. So you've still got to make it quite unique and quite special. And mm -hmm. by the transcript, it's actually it's actually – you're using the transcript to create the email, which means it is in your voice. It is your skills. It's not, you're not just handing it all over to the AI mm -hmm. and getting the AI to just create generic, generic. you know, generic nonsense in your, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean, in your area. Yeah. So, and I think that's a balance. And I, I look at AI, it's a little bit, I mean, the iPhone's a great example, right? So I know people who can work, who can create magic with the iPhone in terms of, like, I know videographers who go, the AI is amazing with the edits and they can create Hollywood-type movies using an iPhone, yeah. but I can't. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not your I, thing. <laughs> I don't have those skills, but it's the same tool, and I think yeah. AI is going to be very similar. You've got to yeah. take the time to know how to use it if you wanted to punch out stuff that just isn't generic fluff sort of thing. So, yeah. Actually, it's really interesting because I, I forget this. I mean, my father was a professional photographer. And so um, in his spare time, and he had a full-time job as a salesperson as well, but he would say he kind of taught us how to actually frame fo photographs and things. And, and so we got a lot of the background about what makes a really great photograph. So when I take a photograph with my iPhone, it's pretty much always a good photograph, not because of the iPhone necessarily, but just because of the way I frame it. And I can give that exact same iPhone um, to my assistant who might absolutely absolutely love dearly um, but you know she never she said to me oh your photos look amazing and mine never quite looked that so same same example right it's like actually we're both using exactly the same tools it's just that I have back in the day been taught how to do that so therefore I approach it in a slightly different way yes yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. it's all the it's a skills right I, I give the, the another analogy I give is is like a chainsaw it's a really powerful tool, but if you don't know how to use it, you can chop your really arm off. Dangerous. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and actually, I hadn't really thought too much, but you're right. You've got to it, – it, it is another tool in the toolkit that you have to learn how to use properly and how to use effectively to get the best results from it. Otherwise, you're just going to get very generic blah kind of stuff out. Or actually, for some people, I think they try it and go, mm, that's not really not what I want, um, and they give up. Whereas in actual fact, it's, it, it is just a computer after all. It has to be told what to do. It has to be directed in terms of where it needs to go. It can just think at a, a million times faster than we can. <laughs> yes, yeah. And another thing it's really good at, and I've used it for this, like I had a uh, an email series I did uh, recently and the tone, the client was like, the tone's just, it's not quite right in terms of, you know, what we want. And uh, so anyway, I plugged the copy into the AI and said, make it sound, you know, more, 
you know, more professional, more conservative, all of that sort of thing. And it mm-hmm. just did a brilliant job. But it took the same copy yeah. and it was tweaks to the copy, but it yes. made it far faster than I could have. So it's yeah. it's it's just a there's so many different variations in terms of the mm. ways you can use it. <laughs> Another way I used it, I had someone come to me and they were they had they were an agency and the Facebook ads weren't converting for a for as well as they wanted to for uh, a, a business opportunity. And I thought, oh, I wonder if, because uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Chet Holmes, he had that advertising strategy for getting like top salespeople. So mm-hmm. I put into the AI, do you understand this advertising for, you know, like Chet Holmes's advertising, advertising thing for-, for getting salespeople? They're like, yes, yeah. I do. I go, okay, great. Well, can you apply that to this ad? And anyway, just punched it out. So, so it's really, and then it punched it out and it was really good and I made a few tweaks and yeah. then we could then test it. But the, but it couldn't do it if I didn't know that framework. Mm, right? That's right, so yeah. So understanding frameworks and being quite strategically knowledgeable is really mm. important because I couldn't do it like as a coder. I know I can do incredible things for coding, but yeah. I couldn't do what a coder could do with AI because I, I don't know anything about coding. No, and you know, I saw a really good example this other day where you can actually have it produce complete spreadsheets for you that does all the things you want it to. But again, you've got to understand how to ask it to do that. So if you're not an expert in sort of spreadsheets or how they're um, structured, it can still be a little bit difficult to get that the right um, input to get the right output. But anyway, it it, it is fascinating. And what I want to know, though, I mean, email, surely email is dead. I mean, you know, when I look at my email inbox and the amount of emails I get and the the fact that I put them all to spam these days um i know it's not really but i want to just sort of you know put that out there to you what do you say to people who say email's dead it doesn't work yeah it's, it's, it's a great question because i, I would say 100 percent categorically wrong <laughs> like in terms of <laughs> email, so being, <laughs> email being dead so so and and i'm a big fan of email because i built my i built my business on email in the beginning it was it was a very simple model it was like get people on your email list email them really good content and make offers, you know, not all the time, but make offers. And it's the same now. Like according to litmus.com, I think it's a email gets a, I think it's a 36 to one return uh, for every dollar invested, which is far greater than Facebook, Google, YouTube, any of these sort of of things. Obviously, if you want to scale big, you need to use the cold traffic mediums Mm -hmm. uh, because you might have an email list of, 500 a thousand people that sort of thing but if you're not using it it's almost like it's almost like you've got this it's the acres of diamond story you've got these diamonds in the backyard and you just all you got to do is dig them up and they're there and that's what i look at with with email and most people who've got an email list even if it's only a couple of hundred clients or you know 500 even if it's 50 you can actually get and you can communicate with those 50 people all at once and they already know, like, and trust you. We know the story that it's five times easier to sell to someone who's already bought, the, bought from us than to get a new mm-hmm. customer. It's so powerful. And so I've, I've found for actually booking my calendar, uh, email is so, so powerful and it leverages every other medium. So if you do using, if you're selling a reasonably high ticket item, like, like we are, like with coaching services and it requires mm-hmm. education, that sort of thing, you know, number one, Get them on your list. Number two, build credibility. Number yep. three, you know, get them to book an appointment with you. And mm. it's and it's a very simple, very simple formula. 
and I, I think it works better than I think it's the most underutilized opportunity in 2020, 2023. And yep. uh, yeah, I like to zig when when everyone else is zagging. <laughs> it's just interesting. I've actually, I'm a marketer from way back. That was actually my, so my original training was in sales and in marketing. And, and I always found um, that people had kind of flicked to email because it was an easy thing to do, but they weren't using it really effectively. And I've actually found that going back to good old fashioned sending somebody something, like a physical something, is actually quite a good way to get in front of people. People go, oh, but why would I do that when, you know, I can send out an email to, to 100 people and I can only afford to do that 20 people. But it's actually, if you use the right tool for the right job, you get the best results. And I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, and particularly if you've got a high ticket, high ticket, clients that you're going mm. after yeah, like how do you sense. send out like people yeah. go oh I, you know i get so many emails and i delete them and don't mm. get me wrong like email is not as powerful as it was 20 years ago because mm. nobody was getting any emails in their inbox and there wasn't all this competition but nothing's as effective as it was <laughs> but again that's even zigging while others are zagging to another degree is doing lumpy mail yeah. in the mail like if your clients if your average clients is worth <laughs> You know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000, why wouldn't yeah. you spend, you know, five or $10 to get something in the mail where they go, wow. I've yeah. never seen anything like that before. So yeah, yeah. and I, I do it with some clients, and I will say to me, you know, if they've, you know, if their services are worth a lot more than that, why wouldn't you even spend like a thousand dollars to get a hundred thousand dollar client? Why not? You know, if that's going to work. But anyway, we're, we're digressing. I think the problem with email for me is that I've seen a lot of people really abuse it. Um, you know, people who just literally are pretty, and and not just email, but you know, the LinkedIn messages where they connect with you, and immediately you suddenly get an email, and they just want to bleh at you about who they are and what they do, and please book a call for me I'm pretty much guessing that's not the right way to try and attract somebody because they're the ones that I actually completely delete and, and ignore um, yes yeah you're, yeah you're looking at a different way of, of emailing people aren't you yeah and I, th I think people fall into two traps with email so one is what I call what you just described which is a scorched earth approach right and I've seen mm -hmm. companies do it over the years and it it does work for a while but it's a little does bit it? like yeah, it's a little bit like blowing up the reef. Do you know what I mean? To, to catch <laughs> yes. some fish. So then it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's like it's not worth anything because you've just like you've killed your list, so to speak. the mm. The other one I call the other one is a love letters approach, where all you do is you send out amazing content and you never ask for anything. Yeah. So <laughs> so you know, which is which is great, and you build incredible relationships and trust and all that sort of thing. But at some stage you're running a business, so you need to ask. So I, I, I use a methodology I call the third way, which does both. So occasionally you might send out a scorched earth type email when you want to get a result or you've got an event coming on up or a webinar or something like that. But yeah. for the most part, what you're doing is you're actually combining the two within the one email. So you're, okay. you're leading with value and then you're doing a small segue at the end for those who are interested to maybe download a report and then after they've downloaded the report, you ask to, you know, you request a, a meeting or something like mm. that. So it's, or, or you're sending them to a sales page, but it's their choice to actually yeah. click on it. So it's like the 90-10 sort of thing where it's 90% value and then a 10% mm -hmm. segue at the at the end. So, and I find that that really, that, that's incredibly, uh, yeah, incredibly effective. And amazingly, like the whole, get them to download, you know, ask someone to download a report. I'm a big fan of having multiple special reports. Like most people might have one. 
Whereas right. why not have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50? So whatever email topic you're talking about, you can direct them. Let's say you're running a digital agency to a report about Google AdWords or Facebook ads or TikTok or yeah. whatever whatever the, the topic is that that particular prospect might be, might be interested in. And that's what I was going to ask next is like, you know, is AI being used because you've got the initial kind of copywriting and getting stuff out there, but what about being able to use it to um, actually then put people in the right direction, respond to them in a certain way? Can you do that? Is that something that's possible yet where they're almost humanizing the, 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 the old workflow automation, but in a slightly more humanized way, I suppose? Yeah, I've seen it being used. So, for example, I know one lady, she's put her book into into the AI or she's got written a few books and then she's got it so people can ask questions and it will reply as her using all the information from the books. Mm -hmm. I'm not across that technology, but I know it yeah. can be it can be done. So mm -hmm. it's so it's very, very interesting in terms of yeah, in terms of some of the stuff it could do is that sort of what you meant in terms of the yeah yeah no that, yeah because right. if you think the, the classic kind of old workflow automation was you know it was almost like one of those old um decision charts where you know if they respond this then pop them down there if they respond this but it was very kind of set in stone in terms of that's what you did but i'm thinking ai must be able to learn a little bit about you on the way and so pick up on on what you've clicked on and then how could you present something i don't know i'm just thinking there must be some real opportunities to get much more personal and i just know that when you when you use chat gpt for example when you talk to it it is almost like talking to a human like it, it respond like when you know it responds to you in almost a human way i wonder how far that technology will actually go um, in terms of responding like a human and, and giving you a, a really personalized answer as opposed to just a generic one. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's great. Like I know I'll have to check in with a friend of mine. He runs one of the leading yeah. um, uh, sort of decision tree companies called Leadshook and mm -hmm. Nick Thackerell, and he. Uh, he's right across everything that's happening with AI. So I'll have to ask him how he's doing it with how AI is incorporating with the workflows. Because yeah. years ago it was sort of like it was decision tree and if they said, yeah, but like you would ask them a question and you could go and have like 57 different paths yeah. if you wanted to, but they, but they were specific questions on each path. That's so right. it would be interesting to see if the AI can actually read it and mm. then and then really direct them and personalize it depending on what they said or have That's what I was have thinking, them type yeah. in something yeah yeah which and is also quite and change, change the lingo and stuff too right because um, you know we're talking it's very casual and so that and so if somebody responds in a certain way I wonder if it can pick up and kind of you know take on board that kind of the way that they're speaking as well anyway we're digressing yes. <laughs> <laughs> so back to back to email back to copywriting um, so it's great to use as a tool but it's not the be all and end all we know that you've got to know how to ask it the right questions you've got to I'm assuming also you don't just take what it says copy and paste it and go right that's it it's done you're looking at it and going actually does this meet the real needs is there anything that's kind of obvious because at the end of the day there's a computer that can make mistakes um what what are the kind of key tips for people who are thinking about using email and using AI in their business yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's a different way of writing. Like I've been playing mm -hmm. around with it as much as I, as much as I can, just because I know I'd need to be across this new technology because that, that's yeah. where the future's heading towards. And it does it does save a bit of time. 
it doesn't necessarily just wipe out and you you, know, you press a button and the whole job's done. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so you're going in, you're, you're sort of editing those. So, for example, I will use it for headlines, subject subject lines, all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty amazing. Like you can spit back 12 suggested – you put an email in, it'll spit back 12 suggested headlines, and then you can choose the best one. Wow. I will rarely, very rarely use the AI's headline exactly word for word, but I will mm. use it for inspiration. So I'll yeah. go, that's, that's really good. And if I can find this and that, and yeah, that's, that's a really good headline. So it's, it's still that human intuition, but it's a bit like having a brainstorming buddy, right? So if you could have someone there and, but, but it's quiet and it doesn't, it doesn't distract you, which is beautiful. Because <laughs> if you had a brainstorming buddy there, when you, when you're talking about writing, you know, you'd be talking for half an hour to create this subject line and that's not practical in a business sense if you're yeah if you're just trying to come up with a subject line and get it out so you can come back and it gives you 12 to 15 ideas or you can ask for 50 ideas if you want and then you just go bang i'll choose that one let's go yeah let's go sort of thing so it's it's very powerful from yeah from that perspective Mm, cool so the work that you do with clients um so you know what is it you do what do you do for com- for companies? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, so, so I'm very, I'm very good in terms of turning email lists. One of the specialties I is is turning email lists into money, um, mm-hmm. or grow, or helping to grow that email list as well. So, sure. you know, if you've got a if you've got a smaller list and and you want to grow it, um, but I I really like uh, focusing on email first. Even if we're doing a whole heap of other strategic things with copy and building out funnels and all of that sort of thing, I love working on email first because I find it's the fastest path to the sale. So right. in the last month, I started working with a client. He had about, I think he, he had about eight or 10,000 on his email list and we started running webinars to it and we created over $50,000 in, you know, in the first month. So wow. that's, a nice, that's a nice win where mm-hmm. I can enter and go, hey, here's a quick win, bang, the trust is established, and then we can work on other, yeah, other aspects of the of the business as well. But there's yep. nothing else because, as you know, a cold campaign, it takes time to get it to work, to split test it, to measure it, all of that sort of thing. It might fail a few times before you get it to work. Whereas mm-hmm. email, they've got you've got the trust, which is the hardest thing to do. You've got the relationship. Yep. And then you can overlay it. So I'm shooting when I come in and work with an email list. It's like I've got the ball and it's in, the, if you can imagine a, a soccer field, I've got the ball in the box. In the, and yeah, it's much yeah. easier to kick the ball in than if I'm trying to shoot it from the other from the other side of the field. So that's why mm-hmm. I love to specialize in that or to focus at least initially on the on the email side. And it's really the copy and the strategy uh, to, you know, to get that, you know, to get that campaign executed. And here's an interesting question that just kind of popped into my mind. I mean, quality versus quantity. So, you know, you've talked about sometimes people have only got small um, email marketing lists. Other people have got massive email marketing lists. Some people just add you as soon as they've met you, they pop you onto their email marketing list. I get emails from people that I've met at a, a networking event. I certainly haven't asked to be communicated with by them and they just fit me on the list, which means I'm, I'm very quick to unsubscribe because why? I don't even know why I'm there. So, yeah, quality versus quantity. What do you have to about that it's a great question because i learned this years ago because i had a i had a paid newsletter where people were paying i think there was about 200 people paying 67 dollars a month or something at the mm-hmm. time and i did a i did a launch for a thousand dollar product and we made 
just trying to remember how many sales we made. I think we made 42 sales at $1,000. My list at the time was about 7,000. And, and I just sent the emails to everyone on the list. Then yeah. I broke down and I looked at who bought. And 80 to 90% of those buyers were came from my paid list of 200. And like 10 to 20% of the buyers came from the other 6,800. Yeah. So you can see that, that those that list of 200 yeah. Was way more valuable than the other six thousand eight hundred. So, it's 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 definitely a quality versus quantity. I, I know another guy, and he does a lot of joint ventures with different people, who will mm-hmm. email to him, and he'll run webinars, and he can sometimes get a way. He got a better response from a guy who had a list of thirty three people than he would get from someone with a list of ten thousand sort of thing. So, because those thirty three, like they were existing clients, he had trust, he had relationships, yep. and maybe the 10,000 had been scorched earth so many times and they just didn't care yep. about the person who was sending them. So, yeah. No, yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. I mean, having that trust in, in the beginning actually is going to help you hugely in terms of that conversion rate. So, yeah, okay, definitely um, quality over quantity in that, in that example. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> we could probably talk all day because I'm, I'm a marketer from way back and I love all this stuff. I love AI. I love technology. But if for people who are listening in who are kind of running their business and they're going, oh, I have got this email list. I don't really quite know what to do with it. What are the three top tips that you would give them um, or, or actually any top tips that you might have? You I mean, you run a business as well. So happy to share anything that you've learned in your life, in your journey, in your business or around what you do. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was zoning on email because um, yeah. I think I think that's quite specific, yeah, quite specific. So, in terms of email, the first thing I would do is survey your list. And if you haven't if you haven't mailed it for a for a while, don't just go straight out for a survey. Start <laughs> to just supply some great content, you know, cre- yeah. great content to them that they'll value. And then maybe after half a dozen emails, then send out a survey and ask you know, ask them you know what their challenges are with your industry. Ask them what questions they would ask you if they could, all of that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then base your content calendar on that so that's a, that's the first thing is survey your list the second thing i would i would do is i would suggest is build special reports and landing pages around that because yeah. what what a lot of people what what happens with a lot of people with email is they you know they'll get the and that's where the love letters come in is that they'll get the ball up to the up to the up to the box but they'll never kick the kick the goals and that often happens you see this on social media and that people posting content all the time but they don't have any way to move that relationship to the next level so Mm -hmm. start by actually hiring a striker and getting those reports done getting those landing pages done all of that sort of thing and then third is just start writing regular emails yeah and and too much too many is far better than too little so my understanding, ah. I was, yes. Yeah, so I want to explore that further, yes, because I, I have this thing about consistency and, and people always say to me, and I'm always amazed because I turn up this newsletter every week, every week without fail, and I very rarely get any feedback from it. So I think it's just a waste of time. And then every once in a while, I'll bump into somebody, or something about you, I bumped into somebody in Melbourne Airport and they went, you're Deborah, aren't you? And I went, sorry, do I know who you are? And they're like, no, but I listen to your podcast and I, and I read your, your newsletter. And it's like they, you know, they they are actually sort of paying attention. So I do wonder about this whole, yeah, regularity. Does it work? Yes, yeah. And I think it's I think it's really critical. Like I heard recently, at least with email, I think it, this applies podcasts, email, everything, yeah. right? But I heard, I heard recently I was chatting with someone because I heard someone had this massive list and he hadn't mailed it for five years. 
So I called up a guy I know who's quite technical and understands the technical aspect, and he's like, you know what? He says, after four months, when you try and mail, the, 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 the CRMs, they don't like it, and often you can just get ah. blacklisted. So if you, if you ignore your list, and this was a big list, I'm like, he's mm. just let go of it. it, just literally potentially flush millions of dollars down the, down the drain. Like that was it, like, because yeah. I, I think email lists are gold, right? So, so if you don't mail it, you, you, and plus you lose a relationship, you lose a trust. It's like a friend you, mm. haven't, you knew at school that you haven't chatted with for 25 years and then you call them up and ask them to join your Amway business. They're not going to be <laughs> happy about it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, so it's yes. like, it's like, so, so, you, so that, that keeping in touch is really critical. So I tend to, email, I mean, I, I emailed my list every weekday for over a decade uh, oh. and had very little uh, people, oh. people loved it because you almost mm. become the, if it's the right type of content, you mm. almost become the, you know, it's like talk back radio. Yeah. You just, you're just in there every day. They start to like yeah. you, trust you. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing, but always the call to action is critical though, because you, right. I find if you don't have the right calls, calls to action, you, you don't get it nearly as much feedback as if you do that, that part mm. properly. So, okay. yeah. So is, is there a magic, um, you know, special, I want to think of frequency. Is there, a, is there a magic frequency? I mean, is it daily? Is it weekly? Does it depend on who you're talking to? I mean, what, how would you answer that? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So it, it depends somewhat like on the industry. Like let's say if I was doing a, a, a funnel for plumbers or something like that, I would have the emails going out really, really quickly because I know they're going to make a quick decision. Mm. Uh, whereas if it was for builders, then it's probably not as important to be as consistent or as, you know, as regular because they're going to make a decision maybe over three months, six months, 12 months, two years, whatever, because it's a big decision. Yep. So that's something to keep in mind. I think once a week is, is, is probably a really good sweet spot. Uh, mm -hmm. where you're comfortable, where most people are comfortable doing it. Like most people, they hear once a day or a few times a week and they sort of, they freak out and go, oh, that's too much. I'm going <laughs> to annoy people. I'm going to get unsubscribes, all that sort of thing. So, uh, and then once a month at an absolute minimum, minimum. I would say, because yeah. otherwise they just, they just, just forget yeah. who you are if it's less than yeah. that. And then, and then when you do mail them six months later, they, they go, who are they? And they think it's spam and they complain about it to the, to the ISPs and you get a bad, yes. you get a bad yeah. reputation. So yeah. I love it. yeah. Actually, you're actually right. Cause I'm just thinking I have got some emails that literally come in every day and, and then they're short and they're sharp and they give it a bit of value. And I actually enjoy sort of having a quick skim through them. Um, and you don't mind um, because you know that there's something in there that you might want to actually look at. Uh, not, not emails, just about telling people about who you are and what you want to sell them. <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, hey, look, I'm sure there's a whole lot more we could learn about it, but is there somewhere people can go to to find out more about email and AI and what you guys do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I'd encourage if anyone's listening and they want a some cheat sheets just on the on the on writing with AI, if they go to simpleemailroi.com forward slash AI and uh, they can download my ultimate AI email writing cheat sheet. And there's, uh, there's three prompts in there which will allow them to whip up emails in minutes, uh, even if they're a non-writer and without being salesy. So, 
yeah, that, that's probably a, a really good place to, uh, to start. Fantastic. That's really cool. And if somebody wanted to have a chat to you personally, how would they get hold of you? Yeah, so if you want to if you want to get in touch with me personally, probably the best way is to uh, shoot me an email just to scott at uh, copywritingthatsells.com.au. So that's scott at copywritingthatsells.com.au. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, tell me, do you have an, an ideal client? Like, who do you love to work with? Who's your favourite kind of client? Yeah, I mean, it generally falls under two categories. So uh, one is one is. Yeah, if you've got a, a decent sized email list that you're not leveraging, then mm-hmm. I can t- I can turn that into money generally if it's a quality list fairly quickly. So that's number one. And number two, if you're spending if you're spending a fair bit of on ads, then we can leverage that fairly quickly too by either changing the ads, changing the funnels, all of that sort of thing. So mm. uh, and the reason those two is is because there's a most there's a most leverage in those sort of businesses where we can get quick results. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're, they're sort of the sweet spot, if you like. The low-hanging fruit, the stuff that you can actually kind of turn into money pretty much quickly. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Perfect. Hey, well, look, it's been a real pleasure. I've learned quite a bit. I've taken a few notes here. Um, I would definitely, I've just had a quick look at the cheat sheets too. So go to simpleemailroi.com com forward slash AI and that is where you will find the ultimate AI email cheat sheet you can also uh, obviously get in contact with Scott um, and Scott I just like to say thank you so much for spending the time with us and sharing your knowledge um, and your journey yeah you're welcome it's been a lot of fun and th- thanks for hosting me on your on your podcast absolute pleasure I look forward to talking to you again soon likewise thanks